What's the greatest obstacle or challenge facing you on your path to becoming financially free? For most of us, it's the time it takes to even focus on it. We're so busy with our lives that we don't even know where to start. Come join Joey and I and the team in Nashville, Tennessee, August 9th through the 11th, as we break down the different ways that you can become financially free and introduce you to different strategies and speakers who can help you on that first step. You have questions? This event is designed to give you the answers, to take action fast, to turn the decades it's taken us to learn this and turn them into days. Don't hesitate. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash live. And don't forget to use the promo code podcast to get a deep discount. All right, Russ, I wasn't present for this round table. I hate that I missed it. Catch me up. What did I miss? Well, today's podcast is about I have an active income problem. And to be honest, Joey, I feel like I got an active spending problem that I need to talk about with you. Oh, <laughs> like gosh. this is a oh, this gosh. is like a coaching moment. I, do you really want to go there, Russ? Uh, can we we can't afford to be derailed. Like let's stick to the okay. what's the active income problem? Taxes are killing me. Please just All stay right, well, on point. This is one. I, I can can we can you give me a private coaching session later? I'm going to need some help here. Like, uh, I'll put it in my calendar. I, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at my summer, and by the way, I'm going to be missing a lot of these too because I'm going to be traveling a bunch this summer. <laughs> There's a lot of fun destinations in the summer plans, and yeah, I'm going to need some active income, passive income, and everything else to help pay for all those expenses. All right, so you want the cliff note versions of what we yes. talked about? Hit me up. Well, one, I have an active income problem that to some people may initially go, oh, well, like I don't make enough money. No, that's not what the podcast is about. It's actually regarding taxes. An active income problem, meaning that when we're looking at the cash flow quadrant, right, you've got right. the E quadrant, the S quadrant. Those, I would say, are active income, right? You're actively right. having to work to trade time for money. As we say, the E's trade time for money. The S's trade lots of time for money, <laughs> right? Exactly. So when you when you think about it like that, so if you are highly paid, whether you're a professional or work for someone else, you are trying to find ways to reduce your taxable income, and it's really hard when you're on the left side. So this podcast talks about different strategies that we've observed and watched and are doing personally to help us reduce our active income. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I, I know people in our passive income mastermind have been sharing questions about this. So I'm hoping to get a lot out of this episode. And I'm sure you are too, as you're listening. Russ, let's not hold any more back. Let's just get straight up to the table and let's belly Hell up. Yeah. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so that you can more easily understand them and more importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. 
I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy, mostly because like a follow-through guy didn't sound so cool to me. But enough about me. Let me introduce you to the best coaches in the nation. To my left, the man I like to refer to as the true financial Sherlock Holmes of our day. No problem too difficult to solve. If I would have only known him earlier, I would have been so much richer, says everybody. Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown, say hello, Ern. Hello, man. What a what an opportunity. What an important conversation today. So, Ern, the question is today, or the statement, is I have an active income problem, right? Taxes are killing me. What should I do? Yeah. Who, who isn't saying this? <laughs> well, I think there's some, right? There's some out there that are like, what are you talking about? I pay zero in taxes. Now, there's two groups of those people. There's ones that live on the side of the road in tent cities. <laughs> and there's others who live in amazing, you know, sprawling penthouses overlooking some of the finest cities in the world. Yes, there's, there's those who live because of taxes. And then there's those who truly pay no taxes. Right. So we need to figure out what that looks like. But before I want you to dive into that, let me get around to the retiree of the group, the guy who, you know, a lot of times retirees are living off taxes. They're living because of taxes, Social Security. But Mark has not reached that age, even though he's reached the ability not to have to go to work unless he wants to. Mr. Catch Me If You Can, when he's not killing bears with his bare hands or spear diving for tuna, he's right here dropping gold nuggets. The one and only Mark Haraguchi. Welcome, Mark. Good day, everybody. Oh. You know, this is so poignant right now. I mean, obviously tax season is wrapping up, or if you're like me, you filed an extension. Um, and hopefully you're not like me because I wrote the single largest check um, to the IRS because um, I just got throttled last year for this exact thing. Uh, active income problem, tax is killing me. Um, it's time to get strategic and employ some good foundation to legally maneuver out of that um, that just slaughterhouse that I got put in. Shame on you, man. Shame on you for, for getting slaughtered, right? Like, I mean, exactly. I, I, I love the statement when some of the most wealthy people in the world are asked the question, why do you pay so little in taxes? And their response is, because I didn't know. Right. And now this podcast is not going to be tax advice because I don't know about you guys, but I, I never sat for the CPA exam. I actually never made it out of intermediate accounting. I, I went through the first session. I skimmed through, got a D, and they were like, you want to come back for part two? And I was like, I do not want to do that. Accounting is not in my wheelhouse. Details, shockingly, is not something that I excel at. So I, I, I bowed out of that world. So if it's okay, again, right hands up, everybody. I, I promise not to give tax advice. I promise. Exactly. If you accept this as tax advice, it's on you. <laughs> yeah, you're bad. <laughs> right? Like that's on you. Like you should <laughs> see it at risk. Yeah, you should not do that. The, everything that we're going to share with you is just information that's been shared with us, and we'll guide you through some discussion points to hopefully get you to think through this at a deeper level. So, first question of the day is why is this important? I, I feel like this is important because the information being shared with the person, Joe Public, is really bad. And I, I'm just going to give you two examples. I, I just go, Googled ways to reduce taxes, right? Top two articles on the board. Boom, money. Number one, contribute to a retirement account. Number two, open a health saving account. Number three, check for flexible spending accounts at work. Okay, now I'll move down to the next 
<laughs> Next little uh, icon and, and click CNBC. What do they say? Enroll in an employee stock purchasing program, which I feel like is interesting, by the way, because you, you go and read about this. You're like, oh, I didn't know that I could reduce my taxes by purchasing stock if I work for a Fortune 500 company or publicly traded company. No, you can't actually reduce your taxes by buying the stock. But if you hold it to some future date, then you can sell that stock with after-tax dollars for capital gains instead of ordinary income. It's like, that's not new. I don't know about you guys. I didn't realize that that was a new new idea, but CNBC thought it was the number one on the board. Shockingly, number two, enroll in a 401k, then health savings account, deduct your student loan interest, and then sell those losing stocks that you bought. That's their, <laughs> that's their, that's their idea. So uh, here, here are the, here's the information that's being shared right now on the World Wide Web. And I feel like this is super important because people are being taught bad things. Do you guys agree? Mm-hmm. I think they're definitely being herded in a direction. Well, all the top things have nothing to do with, with paying less in taxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a postponement. All those things are a postponement of taxes. Yeah. I mean, here's, I will say this, looking at the list, the only thing that I see on the list that could potentially be smart, right? Like I never participated in this because to be honest, I never knew how much money I was going to spend in healthcare issues. I don't know if you actually know how much you're going to ever spend in healthcare issues. I've created a different strategy based upon advice I've been given, but the health savings account, right? Like that's one that, hey, if you put money in that account and you can use it on qualified expenses, whatever that said expense may be, that's qualified, then there's dollars that you're going to spend anyway that you avoided having to pay tax on before you spend them. That could be a strategy, but the problem with that is what happens if I don't spend those dollars? What happens is if I take great advice and I actually exercise, I, you know, I maintain <laughs> my immune system. I do things that potentially could reduce my need for that. Well, how much money should I put in there? So if, if I'm looking at that, I'm the ultimate optimist. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to have issues. I'm going to put very little money in it. So did I really save taxes? Probably not because I didn't have much in it. What do you say about that, Aaron? Well, my, my thing about that is what's the opportunity of cost of setting that aside? What if an opportunity mm-hmm. comes along and, and that, that, that's not easily accessible? You're going to take the tax hit and then go take advantage of the opportunity? Good, good point. Right? Man, the whole opportunity cost thing always comes back and gets it's, you, doesn't it? Yeah, to me, it's not about the taxes. It's about the opportunity cost or the lack thereof. Well, why is this important right now? That's a, that's the second question I want to ask you guys because I know it's important because there's poor information out there. But why why are we speaking on this subject matter right now? You think? I think it goes to foundational planning, right? How you see the world today, how you're how you're working and living within it. If you are okay with that, hey, awesome, great, super happy for you. Um, go ahead and keep on trucking. But if you feel like maybe some of your resource that you're working for, like I, I, I took a look at some of the things I did last year and essentially one of my quote economic activities was basically a flow through for the government. They took everything I made and said, thank you very much. And then walked out. I'm like, wow. So I did all that work last year and they just took it. Are, I essentially are, you, are, are you at liberty to share with us what that means? I, what, what kind of activity was that? Uh, that was uh, some of my uh, independent 
um, self-employment things that I did. And essentially at the end of the 12 months, I looked at everything that I made and pretty much the government took it all because of the other activities that I had going on as well as that one. So this always seems like a, a really dry topic. Oh, wow. Tax planning, tax strategy. Oh, my goodness. But if, if you think about it, an airplane that takes off in L.A. and is flying to New York City, a very small course correction at the start of their flight, maybe a one degree heading change. As time marches on, the divergence of that flight path gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was a very small shift in what that flight did at the very beginning. But by the end of the flight, they're landing in Boston as opposed to New York City. So what initially seems like a very small thing, but if we can make these very small pivots today, maybe some proper, you know, getting in touch with people that are qualified in this arena, having them look at what's happening in your world. Hey, is there a separate structure I could be setting up for maybe my businesses? Did I set them? And I'll, I'll full disclosure for everybody on the call right now. I set my businesses up the wrong way. I am totally happy to admit that so that hopefully you guys don't have to make a six-figure mistake like I just did. Well, I want to come back to that if it's okay, because I would love to know what you thought was the wrong way and potentially get what advice you were given after the fact to say this is how it could have been done better. You, you willing to do that in a second? Sure. Okay. Ernie, why is this topic important now? Well, the topic is I have an active income problem. Is that, do you want to have that problem in five more years? You want to have that problem in 10 more years? What are we, what are we doing about that today? And can the pain point of taxation motivate us to be moving forward? So I think, yes, taxes is pain today. Mark, I want to join the seat with you. Man, I, when, I, when I have to get out the checkbook and, and write something to the, to the treasury, oh, man, I don't like that. And I had to do that a, a few times, you know, we're, we're wrapping up tax season now. It's tough. So I'm with you there. It's motivation. I want to keep growing forward to get myself in a position where if I'm flying from LA to New York and there's just a little bit of a headwind, that is exhausting. How can I reduce that headwind as much as possible to make the trip that much more enjoyable, that much more efficient? And it's, ultimately, I think this, this is motivation to create a lifestyle where your income isn't active. That's why I think this is important. Well, you know, it's interesting. You guys talking about writing those checks. I, I hesitated writing that check so much that I didn't even want to write my name on it. Here's what I meant. I was leaving last Friday to go play golf with our brother, Joey. Right. And, and I, I knew I had to drop off a check in my accountant's office so they could get it certified stamped on April 15th. And I gave my wife, I said, would you mind, would you do me a humongous favor? Would you drive this to the accountant's office for me and drop it off? And she did. Love her. Thank you for, for jumping in there and helping out. The problem is I, I get this email back from the accountant about an hour after the fact, hey, you never signed your check. <laughs> like, oh, no. Are you serious? So I didn't even want to write my name on a check. That's how bad I hated it. But I, I also think another issue, speaking of why is this important right now, is that we're experiencing a different form of taxation, right? Most of us think taxation only comes in the form of income taxes, but there's also taxation coming from inflation. 
right? The price of goods have gotten more expensive because not Ukraine, right? That's where we want to blame it. Oh, inflation is on this whole war happening with Russia invading Ukraine. No, inflation, the definition of inflation is the increase in money supply. Well, when did our government start increasing the money supply? 1970. Early, yeah, yeah, early 80s, <laughs> and, a, a and, long and, time ago. They, they've been jacking up the money supply heavily over the last 10 to 12 years. So inflation, what we're experiencing is really a result of what they've been ho- trying to keep covered underneath things for the last 10 to 12 years, and now it's rearing its head. So I think it's important that we've got to find ways to offset that additional tax, right, that I don't think we can, I mean, that's hard, right? We, we can't tell the people that we're doing business with to reduce the, the, the cost of goods, right? Like, we, we're going to, we're subject to what they're telling us the prices are in most situations. But we might be able to offset how we pay taxes and ways to reduce it. So I feel like there's several different things we can cover today. A big point I want to get you guys' opinion on, we've talked about this before, but not everybody has heard about the four ways that people actually pay taxes, right? So there's four ways people pay taxes, and I want to, I want to kind of break those down. And then I want to talk about, are there ways, legal ways that, that the three of us or others that we know of have been given advice by qualified tax professionals, and we've seen them be able to reduce their taxes accordingly okay so that's that if we can accomplish to those two big points maybe we can get in some other stuff but i you know I, I love to have three points usually but i think those are two big meaty topics and given the fact that i don't have any governors with jd and joey here today who knows how long i'll talk on these subject matters. So, <laughs> so so keep keep me uh keep me in check so there, there's four ways people pay taxes mark what, what's the first way that people pay taxes what quadrant do they pay them from employee employees Right. What 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 typically what what's the highest rate the typical employee would pay taxes at? Oh, I don't know, but painful. Painful would be the rate. It's roughly 40 percent. Right. Like, again, you know, depending on different state tax and other things can be higher. But let's, if it's OK, we'll round and say 40 percent. What's the second way earned that people can pay taxes? So as a self-employed person. Self-employed person, right? At, at what rate does a self-employed person typically pay taxes during the highest bracket? Well, it, it can look very similar to the employee. And, and even more so, because with self-employment taxes, they actually can end up paying closer to 60%. So you got an employee, right? We go, we, we graduate from college, we go get a great job. We do really well. We, we run up the corporate ladder congratulations, you not only get to work 40 to 60 hours a week, but in addition to that, you end up paying 40% of that income off to the government. Now, if you're really smart, you go out and you learn how to become a business owner, you specialize, you move down at that quadrant you were talking about, Earn, you become a self-employed, maybe that's a doctor, attorney, sales professional, whatever it may be, and you excel at that, Congratulations with self-employment taxes and everything else. Now you're playing close to 60%. Sounds good, right? Make more money, pay more money. Well, you mentioned that 40 to 60 hours too. That, you know, congratulations to the employee for winning that because the, the self-employed person just you just double that. Yeah, it's going up. 60 to 80 hours would be norm 
for an entrepreneur, right? Because that's what people think is I'm going to move out of the employee quadrant and become, become an entrepreneur. And that means that now I get to work harder and pay more in taxes for what I make. But the good news is that's not the only two ways that we can pay taxes. What's the third way in which someone can pay taxes, Mark? You'd be a business owner. Right. You can become a bigger entrepreneur, right? You, you can take that little idea that you had and make it a big idea. At what rate can business owners like what, what's do you know what the corporate tax rates are right now, roughly? No, but I know it's normally a topic of discussion that, that people get angry about it. So roughly right now we're at 21 percent, I think, is, is where C-Corps are paying taxes at. So let's just if it's rounding purposes, we're going to say 20 percent. Now, there's reasons why, and I'm going to come back to that. Why is it that business owners can operate and make high income and still only have to pay 20% taxes, which I feel like there's probably some story of you working down in that S quadrant that had you paying a lot, 60%. And somebody probably said there was probably a way you could have done this differently, maybe potentially got you into that B quadrant at, at a fraction of that. We'll come back. Earn, what's the fourth way in which people can pay taxes? You can become an investor. And that may be what we may even consider the true entrepreneur of the group, right? That's a person living off 100% of the investment itself. They're not trading time for money in any shape or form. They're not even using others' time. They are absolutely having investments create income, giving them ultimate geographical and time freedom. And earn some of the most successful people in the world. We said this a second ago, pay how much in taxes as a percentage? Zero percent. They can zero, pay as zero little in taxes. As zero percent, which is really shocking. It, it really hacks off people in certain political news stations that that's possible. And the problem is, is that they've been employees their whole life and they've paid 40 percent. And they think, why in the world can someone else pay zero? Right. And so I want to kind of break down some of these different things, because when we don't understand why people can reduce their tax liability by being in just one of those different four quadrants. And if you haven't read the book, The Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki, great read. Um, One of his advisors, Tom Wilwright, has written uh, Tax-Free Wealth. He's got a um, a podcast called WealthAbility. A lot of the information we're sharing, we've we've just learned uh, over years of consuming this information, as well as doing lots of our own homework. So this isn't new to us, nor original to us, but we'll we'll share some of it. So when you think through ways that people can reduce their their tax liability, why is it, Mark? Do you think that business owners and or investors are able to pay less in taxes? What are some of those things that give them the ability? There's an incentive structure. If you, were to, if you were to take a look at the IRS code, right, the, the, the tax code that's out there, if we, if, since we're doing such a great job of rounding, if we said it was 3,000 pages of total tax code, well, really only like the first 100 pages, you know, the very, very small portion of the tax code is actually designed to talk about how and what you must pay taxes on. The rest of the tax code is designed as an incentive type structure, and, and this is this is how some people view it, an incentive structure for the government to incentivize people to go out and do things that the government doesn't want to do and frankly probably shouldn't be doing. 
So there's a lot of things in there like creating housing, uh, oil and gas, uh, green, clean energy. There's a lot of things that need to be done for our society to, to you know, survive and thrive. And the government can't do it all. And so what they do is they provide an incentive structure for individuals, entrepreneurs to go out and do those things. And for that benefit to society, they are given a quote tax break on certain items. I just read this comment. It was so drawing joy. I wanted to share it. I realized that my time is not really mine. It's my company's. Now I have to stop negotiating my time for money and I need to start working to become financially free. That's exactly how I felt when my daughter Adler asked me on the way to school, dad, can you pick me up from school today? And I had to say, no, baby, I have to go to work. That's where I drew the line. In order for you to be clear on the things you need to do and stop doing and to know who you need to become so that you can stop trading time for money, join us right now at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Now let's get back to this episode. I want to go back and, you know, scratch on the wound that you had earlier. You, you kind of brought it up and I mean, just in true Wealth Wild Wall Street fashion, like we are an open book, we share almost everything, at least Joey and I do. And sometimes we put you guys on the spot to share yours. What was it that you did, you said that forced you to pay a lot more in taxes? And then I want to hear about what you thought or were told that you could have done differently. So all of my business entities, all of my structures, all of my wealth flowing is all a flow through onto me or was, I should say was. And so because it all flowed up to me, that all ranked on my ledger as quote, ordinary income, mm. which is the pinnacle of the whipping boy for the tax collector. <laughs> and so because I just got destroyed, I mean, I, I made some moves last year, right? Because we were able to take advantage of some tax laws like the CARES Act, the HR 133, you know, so there were some moving pieces. I left my W-2, you know, I'm, I'm now doing a lot more self-employed type stuff. Um, a lot of those dollars moved in a different way and I just got destroyed. And so when I broke down and had my um, epiphany moment of, wait a minute, you want me to write a check for how much? Um, well, number one, thankful that I got to use it throughout the entire year. So I was, I was, I was very happy about that, but very disappointed that I was paying that much because I felt like something was wrong. And so when I met with, I actually went uh, and spoke to Tom Wheelwright's group at Wealthability and they said, oh yeah, yeah, this is, this is not good. You're doing this all as earned income. Well, thank goodness you got rid of your W-2. And you have these other things because now we can structure those to legally protect what's happening in your world and to, and really all it is, it's very small adjustments. I'm not having to go out and like completely change my diet, right? It's not like I'm, I'm going on like a, a super alternative diet. No, no, we're just, we're just changing how, how, how the menu is served up. So you're not going like keto gluten-free on this thing. All you're doing is just switching the order in which you're intaking the, the food. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's super exciting. And, and here, here's the deal gang is no different than, than what we do on a day-to-day -day basis with, with the people we speak to, right? You can go out you can read all this. You can figure it out on your own. You can read the books, you can figure out S corps, C corps, 
you know, LLC structures and all these kinds of things. You can become a CPA, a tax attorney. You can do all that. Or you can leverage someone else's knowledge and expertise because I surely don't want to read and understand all that stuff. So I'll tell you what I want to do. And then you help me figure it out. Can I, I'm going to ask the two of you guys a question. I'm interested in your feedback here. A lot of the times when ideas are shared about ways to reduce taxes, what do you think one of the biggest fears that people have of taking action on something like that is? I think ultimately they're most afraid of the IRS. In what shape or form? In making a mistake that keeps them from even engaging their brain that would say, how can I, what sort of things are in the tax code that I could make use of? They just, I'm not even going to engage those things because I'm so afraid that the IRS is going to take a look and want to audit my stuff. Exactly. The word audit, right? I, I don't know how many times I, I've heard that fear brought up in groups that I was a part of, listening to tax professionals, listening to some of these strategists that have, have shared. And I was amongst a lot of S quadrant people, people who are highly specialized, highly educated, right? But also highly fearful of an audit. And I once heard it said, I think it was Tom Wilwright actually that, that mentioned this, that the people on the right side of that quadrant, the, the, the business owners and the investors actually welcome audits. They, they expect an audit. They even consider an audit like a financial checkup. Well, not only that, they would hire internal teams of people to work or companies to come in and help do audits for them. Yes, yes, yes. They, they, they're considering this that as a way to help them assess the things that they're doing, right? And if you think about that, like when, if you, if you do this from a health perspective, you go and get physicals on a regular basis. If you're, if you're taking, you know, my wife and I just got finished doing labs. We, we have lab works done like every four to five months just to test different things at a cellular level to see if the, the, the adjustments, some of the, the dietary, some of the health things we're doing are making improvements, right? Well, now, I don't like going there and letting them draw blood, right? That's not a great, you know, I don't, don't put that in the top 10 of my day. But what is it allowing me to do? It's giving me information. And that's the way an audit is, right? It's nobody like, it's super excited, like just like drawing blood. Nobody wants to have the audit. But at the same time, they're doing it because it is a checkup. It's allowing them to improve their processes. And the thing is, is that people on the left side of the equation, how active are they managing their financial situation? How, you, you know, are they, are they really having the best financials available, the best balance sheets available? Are they doing, are they documenting every part of their process in a way that if somebody were to ask for it, that they could readily turn it over? Yes or no? Absolutely not. I mean, no. I, I struggle. I'm, I'm a fairly organized person and I struggle. And I look at the other side, business owners, investors, they have teams of people to help Exactly. They've built processes and systems that are doing that, which is why they don't fear being audited. And I think that, that if you're having any discussions and, or, or, or thoughts about 
this process and you're saying, well, I'm fearful of, consider then where are you taking this information from? Are you a, a left quadrant, left side of the, the equation person, or E or S, or are you on the right side, right? And I think some of the differences we see on the right side is that they are taking those steps, Mark, that you started to implement yourself to find out ways to take income and not put it onto your balance sheet. I'm assuming in the form of like a K-1, for instance, but having the ability to let businesses that get business deductions write off some of those expenses so that way it there's expenses you already have that you don't have to pay in after-tax income. Going back to the first statement we said, right? The health savings account, I mentioned that as, well, maybe that's possibly a good idea, right? Because now we're taking a dollar we're going to spend anyway. And instead of having to spend it with after-tax dollars, we can spend it before tax. Well, there's things that business owners can, can do legally that allow them to write off before taxes things that they were going to spend money on all the time. It, my family has meals constantly that are before tax write-offs. Why? Because there's specific provisions given to us to allow us to do that. There's ability, like we're going to have team meetings, right? We have them several times a month. Well, the government allows me to write off portions of my, my house payment because of some different rules that govern dwelling unit rentals. There's now, now, all sort of ideas. So ahead, on, on, on that topic, Russ, how did you find out about that? Did you read about that on your own? Did you go research tax strategies, ideas, ways to reduce and get creative? I'm sure it was the next point on that CNBC article for us. That you <laughs> yeah, I, get, I only got yeah. through the top six. I'm sure it was down there. It's I'm like sure it was number nine or 10 on the list, right? <laughs> You know, way, ways to, to do that. Um, it, the answer is no, but sort of, right? Like to your point, go ahead. Right. So if, again, you can go out and try and figure all this out on your own, or you can take a fast pass and you can skip to the head of the line and enlist a team to help you. Okay. And so really you think about it, if, if, if you're worried about an audit, well, a lot of these people aren't worried about audits because they've enlisted a team and the team has gone and set up a plan an implementation structure, follow through and support. And they're going to be the ones that are battling on your behalf. And really they did the work, right? So they've got all the documents. They know how the things went through. As long as you bring the, the, the information to them, it's, it's going to be okay. And so I, I, I go back to the idea of, well, if you're really worried about an audit and you're like, well, I, I just don't even want to try that because of the risk. Well, think about the risk you endure every day, but how do you get through it? You mitigate it right? If you want to travel, if you're like me, it's wintertime, it's snowing, it's freezing, you want to go somewhere warm, but it's snowing and it's freezing. And that's kind of risky for the airplane, right? But you're entrusting skilled professionals to properly prepare the airplane, load the airplane, de-ice the plane, take off, get you to destination and do it. I mean, you're, you're not going to go get a pilot's license yourself and then try and challenge that on your own, more than likely. So what I'm getting at here is, don't feel like you've got to do this on your own. Feel free to enlist the services of people who are more knowledgeable and study in that field. And then you can use your time to go somewhere else and create some income that will then allow you to be free. Well, and this is not a perfect analogy. All of them are, tend to be flawed, right? But what you just said made me think of something. I was talking to a guy and he was saying that we, we own a, um, 
a property and a hunting license in Canada, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, that's a hard word to say for me. And there's nobody up there. Like, I mean, literally nobody. You, you can go miles and never see anything. But what you'll find in some of that northern area is that you'll see a pocket of like four to six homes. Earn. what do you think you find in the middle of those four to six homes? Have you heard this before? I have not. I have no idea. I've never been to Canada. A church. There's actually, they will say that for, for almost all these little areas, you'll see these four to five pockets of home. And with, uh, with almost out, without fail, there'll, there'll be a church in the middle of it. Now, to your point, Mark, you started talking about cold and ice and, and risk, right? Well, for, for those people who are going to be a part, a part of a church in, in that part of the country, if they had to drive a mile, much less five or 10 miles, 10, 20 miles, like some of us do to go to church in, in the South or wherever we live, that could be super dangerous in the winter months, right? When there's maybe one, one hour of daylight, when there's you know snow feet deep, right? So what have they done? They brought it into their community. Well, I think that would, you know, just the analogy I'm making here is that sometimes we, we have kept people like this, tax professionals and uh, people who could help us at an arm's length, have kept them out of our circles, right? Because out of fear of not wanting to have to go through the process of learning or trying to, you know, make, what is it going to require of me, right? Like we don't, some people don't go to the doctor because like, man, I don't really want to know what's really wrong with me. So we keep an arm's length approach as compared to bringing this in, bringing these people into our circle, creating a community. So now there is potentially safety in the fact that there's not far to go whenever we want to engage in whatever that thing is. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think one thing as I've, as I was thinking about this topic and just over the last several years, putting this puzzle together, which is really what it is, a team of people in our own organization, people that are working with us. What this is about is an attitude of growth and education. And as I look at the right side of the, of the cash flow quadrant where those great tax benefits exist, especially for the investor, it's, it's, it's investing in growth. What's the ultimate way to reduce your tax liability is to be growing, <laughs> not only in your knowledge, not only in your uh, team of professionals around you, but also in your wealth. If you're growing a business, there's expenses. Russ, you mentioned a few. You guys are going to eat. You're going to eat in the business, or you're going to eat in the ho- in the home. <laughs> How can you make a way that those things that you're doing can qualify as business deductions? There's those things, but there's also opportunities, and this is what the investor does is growing wealth, investing in other businesses or in other assets that create inherent tax benefits in of themselves. And so just example, we look at, I mean, I feel like the news is full of Elon Musk and Will Smith right now. It's like, oh, and, and Johnny Depp. I have no idea what's going on there, but that's just the things that I see. Elon Musk is the one that I'm you know, sort of interested in. That's what he's done. He's sold a bunch of stock options. He's positioned himself in a place of liquidity. Now he's make, making a move in, in Twitter. And I don't, I, I don't know any of the details. That's just what I see. I see an investor at work. And 
you you know people are hating the fact that of how little taxes he pays, but he's just playing the game. He's growing his wealth and he's existing on the right side of that quadrant. He's he's in a position of growth. Well, you see that the government has incentivized people who will create jobs, people who will create housing, people who will help protect or conserve the the climate, right? And we see people who are, you know, investing in things that capture carbon, for instance, and are able to do creative things with that, that give the ability for them to write off large amounts of their ordinary income tax. We see people who are willing to conserve uh, land and, and prevent it from ever being built on again. And governments are, are saying, sure, we'll give you large amounts of credits to write off against your ordinary income. We, we see all of these different areas in which people are finding, investors are finding ways to use what the government says we want to reward. The government says, hey, you want to go buy an apartment complex and you know house a bunch of people? You know what? We'll let you borrow the money from a bank and let you write off all of that and depreciate all of the property to a point where most likely you will pay zero in tax for the next several years, if you do it correctly. There's all of these incentives that investors are finding inside of that last grouping of 2,900 pages or whatever it is to your point earlier, Mark. We need to see how are we operating? Are we operating only on the left side in fear of what we the unknown Or are we engaging and growing our network and bringing people into our community who might be able to give us feedback and information that could help us keep this? Because what could we do? There's the question. What could we do if we had more money? Mark, final thoughts. Final thought on this one is I want to challenge your thought right now because more than likely you're you, you, you might be in the camp of, well, you know what? I can't afford to go pay for someone to, to help me set this up. I can't afford a, a tax prep person. I can't afford uh, this or that. Well, actually, did you know? <laughs> Two thoughts here for you. Number one is it's not how much somebody costs. It's how much they can save you. All right. So whether it's your, your tax prepper or your tax planning, uh, I'm not worried about the cost because I know if they can't validate the cost with an equal or greater savings, then it doesn't work. But did you also know that in that book of IRS code, that tax service that I'm getting ready to go through and do all that with, you know, that's a business expense. You know that that is a deductible item. So already you can go in with your first deduction if you don't have any. So think about it that way Um, and get out there seek out people that are that are way more knowledgeable and can help you make the moves now so that you don't have to go through you know being on the whipping pole like I was this year sometimes he feels <laughs> like he's been tied to the whipping post i get it i get it for me this just a text codes they change right no doubt that it will look different in 15 years there will be technologies out needs, incentives will be created. Are you becoming the type of person who can thrive in that environment over the next 30 years? 
are you so dialed in on taxes today that you're missing the opportunity to be educated, to build a team, live in relationship so that you can continue to thrive in an ever-changing environment? Because in, those, in the change is opportunity. Right. If if we if we know what's going on, we'll know what to do. Nelson Nash made that. I mean, this just was a constant Nelsonism, and I think that's the point. So my takeaway is: Are we becoming the type of person who can mitigate taxes today, but also thrive in that environment going forward? The the thought process or question oftentimes is: How do you consider investing? What macro items are you looking at to help guide your decisions? Well, I think the same thing can be true with taxes, to your point, Earn, is that let's look at the macro. Let's look at what the government is most interested in, and let's find out how we can get involved in things that is going with the grain, right? Getting a tailwind from our airplane across the country instead of having to fly into a headwind. Right. Let's don't fight them. Let's find ways that they are saying we're behind you. Right. Like they don't have to be an enemy. Unfortunately, too often times we have seen them as the enemy as it relates to taxes. And mostly then that leads people to making bad decisions. That leads people to making um, like cheating, if you will, on their taxes. The people I know who pay very little in taxes, if zero, are not cheating. They're playing the game according to the rules given and are willing to adjust if the rules change. And I, I think that that's important. As always, we, we, we share these ideas to get you thinking, to help, you know, maybe give you an idea that you haven't thought about, maybe challenge you as Mark did in here to say, maybe you, you too need to find tax professionals. You too need to be a part of a group who's learning ways to not only reduce their taxes, but also to increase their passive income and also build infrastructure. And if you're, if you're not already a member, we have a group. We actually have two groups, depending on if you're a credit investor or not, that you can participate in that do those very things. If you want to jump on with a call with one of these coaches, you can take 15 minutes and you can share a little bit about your situation. They can tell you if there's a fit for you here within the Wealth Wild Wall Street community. You can go to uh, wealthwildwallstreet.com forward slash free call and do that. As always, we appreciate you listening. Please uh, like, share, review this podcast so others can find it. And as always, have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.